1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Father, thank you so much for coming this morning, Lord. Uh, We say good morning to you. And we, Lord, ask you now to, Help us as we open your word and seek to see your beloved Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So now if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be covering these verses 5 through 12 this morning, Matthew 16. So here we are, Matthew 16, verse 5. Okay. When his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees and they reasoned among themselves saying it's because we have taken no bread which when Jesus perceived he said unto them O ye of little faith why reason ye among yourselves because ye you brought no bread do you not yet understand neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, got to put ourselves back in the place here of where this is all taking place. The Lord has just endured, and that's what it was, and it was an endurance, another attempt by the Pharisees and the Sadducees to discredit him. This union of normally opposing groups of the Pharisees and the Sadducees had come together to bring the Lord down. And their coming together was very much like Pilate and Herod who were enemies with each other. But they became friends one day because they both decided to mistreat the Lord Jesus in Luke 23.8. Luke 23.8, when it says that when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. He was desirous to see him for a long time because he'd heard many things about him. And he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. Then he questioned him in many words and he answered him, nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were an enmity between themselves. So here's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were enemies with each other, more, and now they're, they're united in this effort to bring down The Lord Jesus. And so they come wanting to see a sign from heaven. This is what happened. They came, they want to see a sign from heaven so that they could either say, Look, he obeys us. We asked for a sign, he brings a sign. Or they could say, Oh, look, he wasn't able to produce the sign, so he's not credible. So it was a rough time for the Lord Jesus. It was frustrating. Why? Because he cared for these people. He cares for the Sadducees and the Pharisees. He wants to save them from their sins. That's why he came here. And so then he tells them, finally, in the frustration, he erupts in him. And he says that in verse 4, you're a wicked and an adulterous generation. You seek after a sign. There's not going to be a sign given to you, but the sign of the Judas. And then comes the end of verse 4 where it says, he left them and departed. He left them and departed. They were so caught up were trying to, trying to trip him up, that they wasted their opportunity. They had an opportunity. He was there. He was there to save them from the sins. They could have come to him personally, but the tragic words at the end of verse 4, it's awful. He left them and departed, very much like Judas has one last opportunity in his life. This is the last stop. Just like the sign before you go into Mexico, last step, I shouldn't say that because Mexico's not hell, but anyway, it's the last opportunity that Judas has to come to Christ, to repent, turn around, to say, I was so wrong, but instead he wasted. John 13, 29, John 13, 29. Some of them thought that because Judas had the bag, Judas had said unto him, buy those things which we have need of against the feast, or they should give something to the poor. He then having received the sop, Judas received the sop. He went immediately out, and it was night. his little words, you know, like the little words we got at the end of verse 4. He departed. These little words. It was night. It wasn't just night. And physically, it was night in his soul. And so everyone, he's a picture. Judas is a picture of everyone who separates himself to the Lord Jesus. It's night. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when he left, it was night inside of them. It is very frustrating for the Lord Jesus. He's not willing that any should perish. Not willing that the Pharisees and Sadducees should perish. He wants all men to be saved. He wants the Pharisees and the Sadducees to be saved. But this, this little encounter with them is so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And you get this feeling for how frustrated he was when you look at the passage in Mark 8. And Mark 8 was the parallel passage to Matthew 16. Mark eight eleven, where it says, Pharisees came forth, began to question him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, no sign be given. So the Lord is so frustrated (laughs) with the Saracen and Sadducees that he just goes, (sighs) that's what he does. He's so frustrated. He says, here I am trying to save them from hell, that they're on the edge of the cliff. And instead, they're not only saying no, they're fighting me, and they're blocking me from saving others. And he asks this question in Mark eight twelve: Why does this generation seek after a sign? He can't understand it. Why they're so desperately thirsty for a sign of validity when they've seen so many signs of healings. And so he's thinking about this encounter. This is what he's coming off of in verse 5. He's coming off of this, and he's thinking about it, and he gets into a boat with his disciples, and they're going to the other other side, and this is what's on his mind. It's amazing that the disciples and him are in the same boat and they're on such different pages. I mean, he's sitting there consumed with the frustration of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and his disciples, meanwhile, in the same boat, very close to each other, but the disciples realize that while they're in the boat, or, or maybe after they got there, they're on the page of, oh no, did anyone remember to bring bread for this trip? And they come to the conclusion in verse 5, they had forgotten to take bread. Now, actually, we have another detail about that this conclusion that they came to in Mark 8:14. Mark 8:14 the parallel passage again. Mark 8:14 where it says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. Okay, so that's a little detail. They have one moment. So now, the all-knowing Lord Jesus, he knows what they're all concerned about, the fact they have no bread. He knows that they're thinking that, oh, boy, we're coming to kind of a sort of a deserted part of the region of Galilee here where there's not going to be these 7-Elevens open at night where we can go in there and buy some bread. And so he knows they're anxious about this problem of no bread and no plan to get bread. And they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do about the problem of no bread. And he sees all this concern and how they're all stirred up over the no bread problem and not going to have anything to eat. And so knowing this, seeing this, he decides, he says, I know. I'll take advantage, the Lord is thinking. I'll take advantage of this opportunity uh, that they're all really engaged now and they're all really concerned I'll just bring a new dimension of thought for them to consider. And it worked like this. The Lord sees all the concern. He sees all the anxiety over the lack of bread. And the Lord decides to capitalize on that concern and anxiety over no bread with his comment, which he now interjects into the fray in verse 6. In verse 6 when he said, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This is kind of gently trying to bring them onto his page, to what he's thinking about. Take all that care and that concern that you've got over, you know, what's for lunch, and bring it to a meaningful level in verse 6. In essence, he's saying to them, boys, all that care and concern and anxiety you have over what you're feeling right now, I just want you to redirect it. Just redirect it, reposition it, because the problem of not having any bread, that's nothing, that's chump change for me. What's important for you to focus on, I mean, capture that care, concern, anxiety you got, but now focus it on the problem of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now that's something to be concerned about. That's something to be anxious about. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's something. And that's why he says in verse 6, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, watch out for that. That's a real problem. Because he just had this firsthand experience with the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees and what it was doing to the people. And what it was doing to the people, he expresses later in Matthew 23, 13, when he talks to the scribes and Pharisees again, he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. You neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So he says, you don't even you don't go in yourself and you block the way. He knew that his battle, the Lord's battle was against the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that was both motivating the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to not go into heaven themselves and to block others from going in there. That was something to beware of and to take heed of. It's this leaven, and when he called them hypocrites, he's getting right to the heart of the matter of what the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees is in Luke 12.1. Luke 12.1 says, In the meantime, there were many gathered together in innumerable multitude of people, insomuch they trod one upon another, And he began to say to his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What's hypocrisy? The definition of a hypocrite is an actor. He's acting out a person he really is not. He's pretending to believe what he does not believe. The French, they are masters at this. You know, I remember visiting the church at, Rusty Young had outside of Paris and LeMay. And I remember him explained to me that they had just had an evening church meeting to discuss some decision they were gonna make in the church. And the French, they just don't have a good feeling about a discussion unless there's an argument, unless there's a debate. Now, this decision that they were gonna make, and this is why they got together this night, the church there, the decision was obvious. And it was unanimous. Nobody disagreed with what they should do. But the French did not feel comfortable with that, that everyone agreed what the church needed to do. But in fact, it was very upsetting for the French church to have a decision be made without hearing from the other side. There was no other side, but they had to hear from the other side. So even though there was no other side, someone took upon himself to become the other side. And to he didn't believe it, but he argued for it. And he gave all the compelling reasons he possibly could and he even voted against it. Finally, when the, when the church did take a vote, he was, of course, outvoted, but the church was very happy <laughs> because they heard from the other side. <laughs> yeah, they heard from the other side. Because they heard arguments from the other side and they were... to. Crush those arguments. and That's very French. That's very French. Well, that person from arguing for the other side, that he didn't believe it, he was a hypocrite. And this is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. They pretended to be something they were not. They pretended to believe in something they really didn't believe. For example, they pretended to be righteous. But inwardly, oh well, the Lord said in Luke 12.1, Luke 12.1, he said to them, and don't quote me because I'm not going to get it exactly right, but you'll get it. Anyway, what did he say? He said, um, you are whited sepulchers. You appear very beautiful on the outside, white, oh, so white, but inside, rotten, stinking bones. He said, that's what he said to them. He said, outwardly, you look so righteous, whited coffin, but inside, you're rotten. That's a hypocrite. It reminds me, in other words, he was saying to them, when it comes to outward ceremonies, when it comes to keeping uh, traditions, oh, you are very nice. You are perfect. But inwardly, you're rotten. And so this reminds me, as I was going to say about the Lyft driver from yesterday, he told me he didn't believe in God. And then he says, I have a question for you. I said, Go ahead, fire away. He said, are all people bad who do not believe in God? That's <laughs> so, okay. So I thought, this sounds like the Pharisee situation, you know. This is a question about the outward versus the inward. The outward versus the inward, which is what the Lord was talking to him about. And the, the difference, there is a difference now that has to be considered between what man sees and what God sees. There is a difference between the outward and the inward as there was with the Pharisees. What God told Samuel, God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue because I refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. See, that's the difference. The issue is that man does not see what God sees. We only see the outward. We don't see the heart. And so, therefore, we say, oh, that person looks really good outwardly. He's a fine, moral, upstanding person. He's helping others. He's a good person. We look on the outside, that's what we see. But God looks on the inside. He sees a totally different picture. He looks on the inside. Hebrews 4.13 is what he sees. Hebrews 4.13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He looks on the heart and he sees the thoughts of man. He sees this and and he just, um, he sees Matthew fifteen eighteen. Matthew fifteen eighteen is what he sees. He says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, lying, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man. So God looks on the heart, and he's got to hold his nose. It so stinks for the terrible state, the horrible thoughts that are just boiling up, bubbling up, spewing out, spilling over, and all this is happening. And the most prominent event so, we're talking about the Leaven of Pharisees and Sadducees. The most prominent event that the Pharisees value above any event in history is Mount Sinai. Oh, it's all about Mount Sinai for them because there they received the Torah, the law. It was out Mount Sinai that the Pharisees claimed that they received oral law by which they rule the people. They rule the people with the oral law in a very similar way that the Catholic Church ruled the people. The Catholic Church, for hundreds of years, did not allow the Bible to be translated or to be printed in the languages of the people, the common people they spoke. Instead, the Catholic Church kept the Bible translated into Latin, which the common people didn't speak. And so that meant that the common people had to learn from the Catholic Church what the Bible said or what God said. Well, in a very similar way, the Jewish people have really done a very similar thing in the sense that, of course, the Jewish people speak Hebrew, the the Israelites spoke Hebrew. That was the language of the written law, so it was very understood what it said in the written law, and they, they could find out what God said just by reading it. But the Pharisees said that there was an oral law that was given to a certain elite group of people at Mount Sinai, and it was the oral law that interpreted the written law. So if the people really wanted to know the oral law, then they'd have to go to the Pharisees to find out. This is what I'm learning as I go through these Torah classes, Talmud classes, at the Orthodox synagogues. I'm constantly hearing this, well, this is written, but this is what it means over here, the Talmud tells us, the oral law tells us. So in this way, the Pharisees held control over the people, and you can see this control in, that they had and how they were of utmost importance. Do not lose control over the people. Do not lose authority over the people. And you see this in John 11, John 11, 45, John 11:45, 45, in the subject of the raising of from the dead of Lazarus, where it says in John 11:45, 45, that many of the Jews which came to Mary, which is Lazarus' sister and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him but some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus has done then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said what do we for this man doeth many miracles and if we let him thus alone all men will believe on him and the romans will come and take away both our place and nation the concern of the Pharisees was that their place of position of authority and control was being threatened by jesus so for the pharisees it was all about power and control over the jewish people and that's why the pharisees always go back to mount sinai as the place where they got authority over the people because they say that they received there the oral law which the people needed to go to them to find out about what god said so with their oral law they say then it's possible that you can stand before God righteous. You can stand before God righteous. You can be righteous. I was so shocked when I saw in Israel an Orthodox man, he was walking on the street and this Orthodox synagogue needed a minion of 10 people to have a prayer. So this Orthodox man is walking on the street and they come out of their, their synagogue and they say, hey, Zadik, come over here. Hey, righteous person, come over here. I about fell off my chair. Righteous person? Well, what makes him righteous? Okay. So the Jewish people, so they say, you can be righteous, but what is the actual record? What is the actual record of what happened at Mount Sinai? I mean, Jewish people did not stand before God at Mount Sinai with a confidence that they were righteous, they're born Jewish, they're righteous, they're in because of their birth certificate. No, in Exodus 20, the Jewish people are standing and they're having just Exodus 20, they just got the law in the form of the ten biggies, the ten big ones, the ten big commandments. And so it starts off, Exodus 20, verse 1, Exodus 20, verse 1. God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, until they got through all the twelves. And from there, it just proceeded on the remaining nine of the ten commandments. And then you get the response of the people after just having gotten the Ten Commandments in verse 18, Exodus 2018, Exodus 2018, all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed, and they stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, "Speak thou with us, we'll hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die.